This Sunday is entitled Holy Trinity Sunday, the very fact that God is one God, but three persons. And so this mystery is one of the most difficult tenets or beliefs in our faith to conceptualize. One God, three persons is a little difficult at times. But just because it's a mystery doesn't mean we can't wrap our minds around certain aspects of it. Rather, what the word mystery means is that we will never fully comprehend it, even for all of time. So, one day we will die, and we will receive what's called the beatific vision. The beatific vision is the moment when we enter paradise, and God opens up our mind and our heart, and we understand everything that is plausible for a human being to understand. We will fully comprehend why that suffering took place, why our parent died or our child died young, or why we had that cancer or that huge cross. We'll finally understand fully why that happened. But there will still be restrictions we'll have for all of eternity. Because if we understood everything, we would then become God. And we know we are called to become like Him, but we are not called to be God. And so, this re reality, this revelation that God is one and three persons was revealed over many, 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 many thousands and thousands of years. Because prior to Jesus, the people of God only knew there's just one God. And in fact, Jewish people still believe in one God. I remember this truly hitting home with me, actually, when I was in the Holy Land, when I was in class with a Jewish woman. She was a professor, she was a doctorate, and she was teaching us about Judaism. And she said what most people in America don't realize is that there are many, many other people in the world who don't believe in these three persons. She's like, in this area of the world, in Israel, we just got one God. She's like, there is no Jesus. He was just a historical figure. She said, there is no Holy Spirit for us. It's just the one God. And all of a sudden, I was like, what? Right? For most of us, we just take it as an assumption. Right? One God, three persons. And so, for most of history, we've got one God, and then Jesus shows up on the scene, and he tells the people, okay, we've got God the Father. Hey, I'm here too. I'm also God. Same God, different, another person. And then as he's leaving, he says, okay, great, still one God, but now there's the Holy Spirit. And so what does this mean, these three persons? Well, what is most revealed to us by God saying that he is three persons, which this revelation has always been there, even right in the beginning of Genesis. He says, let us make him in our image. He's speaking in the plural because there's three persons. What it reveals is that man is not meant to be alone because not even God is alone. We are never called to be isolated. We are always called to be in communion. This is what the Trinity is. God the Father loves Jesus. Okay, God the Father loves Jesus. Jesus receives that love. Then Jesus Christ loves the Father. The Father receives that love. And the fruit of their love, the love between them, is the Holy Spirit. That's how we should all imagine the Trinity. God loving the Son, the Son loving the Father, and the fruit of that, their love, is the Holy Spirit. So God, for all of eternity, has not been alone. He's a communion of persons. And so this is what we are called to be as well. A communion of persons, never isolated. 
And we know this. This is even what the Ten Commandments are about. If we go through all ten, the first three have no God before me. Do not take the Lord's name in vain and keep holy the Sabbath day. When we break those commandments, we become isolated from God. We no longer are united to Him. We are rejecting Him. I don't want you this Sunday. I don't want you. I'd rather have this object that I worship, shopping or television or technology. The remaining seven, what are they all about? Honor your father and mother. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. Do not bear false witness. Do not cover the neighbor's spouse. Do not cover the neighbor's goods. All of those seven have to do with our communion with others. And we break one of those seven. We break that communion, become isolated even from others. And so every commandment is not meant to restrict us, but to actually free us to love other people and to free us from our isolation. And so God is calling us to never be isolated, but always be in union with Him and others. What is holding us back? So when I was praying about this, what actually came to my mind was a bit of advice that a priest gave me back when I was in college. Because I was asking him over and over and over again, how do I live out this Christianity better? How do I live more like God? And he gave me one recommendation. He said, from now on, everywhere you go, put God with you. He said, tangibly, physically imagine Jesus Christ with you everywhere you go. He said, he worked in the bishop's office. He said, when I drive to that office, when I do, I've got a 45-minute drive. He said, I clear off my books in the passenger seat. I take them out and I put Jesus right there. He's like, that's your seat, Jesus. We'll talk on the way. And so for 45 minutes, he would just have no thing going on in the car, no music, no audiobook, just silence. He would talk to Jesus. He said, start doing that every single day. He said, if you do that, your life will change. I said, fine. And so I began doing that. I was about 20, 21 years old, sophomore, junior in college. And everywhere I would go, I would imagine Jesus. I would walk into my apartment. I'd be walking down the on the sidewalk, and I imagine Jesus walking next to me. I would get in the car, I'd clear off the passenger seat, imagine Jesus next to me. I would go to church, I would imagine Jesus there. And I did this everywhere I went. I'm shopping, what am I going to buy? I should probably save money, Jesus is with me, he's watching. <laughs> so I would do this, and this really was becoming effective. I would be, right, even leaving the public bathroom, washing my hands, and I would see a little paper towel on the ground, and I would go, eh, someone else will do that. Then I would go, oh, yeah, he's here. I should probably pick that up. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a service to even the worker. Because if the worker walks in, he sees a dirty bathroom. Yeah, he's got to clean it, but he'll go, gosh, can't people be cleanlier? Right? Like, I know I'm supposed to clean this, but can't we at least be civil and like, put our paper towel in the trash? So I thought, oh my gosh, by doing that one little act that only Jesus Christ sees, that's going to actually help someone else, and I'm never going to. And as I kept doing this, more and more things started happening in my life, and I started changing. So much so, that one day I was at Chipotle with all my friends. And the reason I say Chipotle is because I love Chipotle, it's very good. And so I, I don't forget it, very tangible in my mind. I was there with about nine friends, guys and girls, and we were having our lunch together, and everyone's talking around the table, and at one point, one of my friends made a very, very, very inappropriate joke. 
And I remember laughing at his joke. And as I'm laughing at this very inappropriate joke, since there was nine of us and we had even seats, there was one empty one. And all of a sudden I was like, very outward sign that I told myself I would put Christ everywhere. And as I saw that empty seat, all of a sudden I remember thinking, oh gosh, is he laughing? No. In fact, what would he be doing? Would he just sit there? Would he say something? Would he say, hey, that doesn't glorify God, that is an offensive joke to women or to men or whatever the joke was? What would Jesus do in that moment? So as I was walking away, I thought, gosh, if Jesus wouldn't have laughed at the joke, if he wouldn't have acted like that, neither should I. And in fact, if he was sitting there, I would not have laughed. And I walked away ashamed. And that shame was a good tool because I went home that night and I said, God, I'm ashamed of who I am. I'm ashamed of the people I hang out with. They're not bad people, but they're not making me into a saint, that's for sure. Like they're probably helping me become the opposite. And so that day I made a prayer. I said, God, I have to decide to continue living like this or not. I said, I'm going to break away from some of my friendships that aren't making me into the man of God that you created. I'll do that. And then your end of the bargain is you'll give me new friends. Right, because that's like all of his promises in the scriptures. If we radically choose him, he'll figure everything else out for us. He says that. First, strive for the kingdom of God and everything else will come. He says he wants to free us. He says he chooses us. So I said, fine, I'll do that. You keep your end of the bargain. And so those next few weeks, I started breaking away from relationships. And for a while, I felt kind of alone, but I kept praying, choosing God. And he brought new people in my life, new friends. People who actually wanted to journey with me on this faith. And the most amazing thing about all of that is everything comes full circle. Because yes, I broke away from those friends and God gave me new ones and I became more of a man of God and one day I became a priest. And the reason I say it became full circle is because eventually even some of those friends, right, after I became a priest, called me up, hey, what are you doing? I just got dinner with one of them like two weeks ago. Because when we start living authentically, those people will recognize where the friendship is rooted around Jesus Christ, not around our ridiculous other things. And so I challenge each one of us, myself included, to keep doing this, is to put Christ with us everywhere we go. And when we do that, he will reveal to us, whether with people or alone in our room, what choices we're making that either isolate us or draw us into deeper communion with others. Because even though at Chipotle I was with my friends, we weren't actually united. We were nine isolated people laughing around some ridiculous moment. And so true communion is not I'm with people, I'm talking to you. True communion is only when I give myself and love someone, they receive that, they then love me back, I receive it. And there's something to actually so let's not be afraid. What a great gift this is, that God draws us into this great communion, not just on earth, but God willing for all of eternity. And the only way this is possible 
is by the greatest gift we have, which is this Eucharist, where Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, love incarnate, will enter each one of our hearts, minds, and bodies, and he will transform us. He will create us into the men and women that he desires. All we have to do is say yes.